This is Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 1, a parable of Jesus. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet and to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Dun, dun, dun. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? Then the man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. And another scripture reading from Romans 10. This is starting in verse 13 through to 15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one who they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's the word of the Lord. Let's pause and just pray. Father in heaven, I pray that your word would become clear to us here this morning. Help me as I speak to clearly communicate what I understand about the truth. And I pray that uh, every heart here, every mind here, would be attentive to what you would say to them through your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. So if we haven't met, my name is Kurt Buchanan. I'm on staff here at the church and have the privilege of preaching to you this morning. Uh, we have been exploring life, meaning, and purpose, answering the question, what on earth am I here for? Uh, we have been looking through the Bible at key verses that help us to answer this question. And we've seen a number of exciting things as it relates to purpose, meaning, or the Bible uses the word calling oftentimes to talk about this. That we, each one of us, is called by God. So in week one, we looked at... Uh, how God loves us, how he wants to have a relationship with us. You are called by God. He's inviting you into this relationship. He has a plan for your life, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. But then we continued on exploring this idea. We talked about how you're called to be loved. We talked about how God loves you, that he created you for his pleasure, that he delights in you. And we are called to live in the love of God the Father 
and in the care of Jesus Christ. We are called to enjoy a relationship with him, to be his son or daughter, to experience belonging and acceptance, the comfort of his provision, to experience peace and pain, have courage in the face of challenges, and to worship instead of worry because we know the vastness of his love for us. We are also called to belong. Uh, We looked at Ephesians chapter 2 where it said this in the message, you're no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. Uh, We looked at a number of different metaphors in that particular week about how we're a part of God's family where we learn our true identity. We're a part of God's temple where we're built together and supported by others. Uh, We're a part of Christ's body and we have our own unique value and part to play. Uh, We are part of God's flock, you know, uh, he's the good shepherd over all of us. And in that uh, flock, we receive protection, support, encouragement. And uh, again, another metaphor was God's garden, where even in that place, we become productive. There was a few key uh, things we said during that particular message, and wanted to come back to it again uh, and encourage you. There was a number of you who spoke up and said, boy, that belonging message was meaningful for me, and so I wanted to come back to you and just highlight a couple of those things. So again, here's the encouragement. Stop wandering. You know, put roots down. Be among us. Belong here. First, you have to enter the kingdom of faith. Come to Jesus as your king. Make his kingdom your home country. Then you can begin to build your life on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, you know, understanding and reading through the Bible and applying it to your life. But again, we really want to encourage you not to be a stranger. That's why we said, hey, fill out a connection card. Don't be a stranger or an outsider here. We really want you to be a part of who we are. Be used by God here. And where there are differences between us, let Jesus hold us all together. Now, beyond, again, belonging, we talked about becoming. Uh, Pastor Dave Wicks talked about this idea that we are supposed to fix our eyes on Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to transform us inside and out that our character and our behavior must shift towards Christ-likeness. He also talked about how we are called to be a blessing. God shaped us all to serve him. We are created in God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And there's some benefits if we begin to serve other people, if we begin to share the work here in the community of faith we actually begin to experience joy in our own lives. We get to focus off of ourselves onto other people, and that is actually a blessing to us. We get to use our gifts to help others. It begins to improve our relationships, and it begins to make our lives meaningful. Beyond that, we believe that as we do that, we begin to leave a legacy. Now, this is our final week together in this series And we're talking about how we are called to be sent. Today we are looking at that idea, and perhaps another way to say it is that you were made for mission. So let's dive in. So again, God's plan throughout all of history, he's been gathering a family that will love and live with him forever. And this uh, week we're talking about how you can play a part in inviting other people into God's Family. So we're going to look at a number of different scripture verses, and then we're going to come back to that cliffhanger of a parable. 
So this is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 to 20. Let's read this together. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself, reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. John chapter 15, verse 16 says this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and to bear fruit that will last. Or in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Spirit's power is for witnessing locally, regionally, and globally. Okay? We are his witnesses. We get to tell our part of it, our story. Uh, in Matthew chapter 28, looking at verse 18 and 20, it's a familiar passage to many of us. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I think this is actually also a great verse at giving you a, a definition of what a Christian does. Now, a Christian is a person who puts their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. But what a Christian does is to obey the teaching or commands of Jesus, including the part about baptism, baptizing, and disciple-making. That's what a Christian does. So, again, we're meant to go. Who is the go for? Every Christian. Okay? Uh, here's a verse from Isaiah. Uh, this is, again, talking about God's plans and his purposes. It will all happen as I have planned. It will come about according to my purposes. I have a plan for the whole earth, for my mighty power reaches throughout the world. John chapter 20, verse 21 says this. Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, this is kind of a, a common greeting to say peace. That's how they greeted one another. Um, but there's a, a church called Saddleback who really took this idea of peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And they developed a whole strategy for how they were going to carry out Jesus' mission in the world. Uh, so they took that word peace, P-E-A-C-E, -E, and they developed kind of an acronym of a number of statements. And these particular statements were to go after what they called the five global giants. I'll, I'll explain what those are and I'll come back to those, this um, peace idea. So five global giants. There are other things to tackle, but they thought 
spiritual emptiness, self-centered leaders, extreme poverty, disease and illness, and illiteracy and education being major challenges for us to overcome in our world. And so they said, well, let's come up with a strategy for each one of those things, and it all lined up with this idea of peace. So P, plant churches or preach reconciliation. E was to equip servant leaders. A was to assist the poor. C is to care for the sick. And E is to educate the next generation. And uh, this is, has been the strategy at Saddleback Church for many years. I had the chance to visit that church in the early 2000s. Uh, and again, I heard Rick Warren speaking about this and believing that it was very critical for their church and for other churches to participate in going after these global giants. Okay, I want to say them again. Spiritual emptiness, self-centered leaders, extreme poverty, disease and illness, and illiteracy and education. And why I wanted to highlight that in particular is because I think that as we think about being made for mission or engaging in mission, I think that many of you will resonate with one or two of those things that you should lean into. Maybe you're inspired by or challenged by some of those things. Spiritual emptiness, self-centered leaders, extreme poverty, disease, or education. And that you'll want to lean into as you think about your part to play in our world. Oftentimes, I think it will land in some of those categories. There are other things. It's not an exhaustive list. But uh, as I was preparing, I just thought I I know several people who I think will resonate with. Yeah, that's kind of me. That's kind of what I want to go after. I'm passionate about that. I've got skills to lean into and help in that area. Uh, One other statement that came from this peace plan, which I think is a great statement. Ordinary people, empowered by God, making a difference together wherever they are. Can I say that again? Ordinary people, empowered by God, making a difference together wherever they are. At Hillcrest, we would say this. We strive to see all people reconciled to God and mature in Christ. There's, again, maybe three different dimensions that you can see in some of the verses that we've looked at. Um, A personal one, your personal mission to the people that are in your life. Who are you trying to reach? Who are you trying to bring reconciliation to? You can do that on a personal level. We can do that also just kind of on a local level together. Maybe that's your small group or particular ministry that you're a part of. Maybe that's Hillcrest's mission alongside the other churches here in Mushra, reaching our area. Or globally, maybe it's our place within ACOP's mission to the entire world through Global Harvest or other missions organizations that you may support. There's those three levels, and we can engage in each one of those. So what does God want you to do? You have a part to play What exactly does he want you to do? First, I think prayer is a part of seeing people um, say yes to the gospel. Uh, I think we begin with prayer, praying for specific people. 
uh, we've been encouraging you for a number of years to have a list of a handful of people that you will pray for regularly. Maybe that's every week. Maybe that's every day. Uh, maybe that's people in your family, people that you work with, uh, friends, that kind of thing that don't know Jesus and you would love them to experience um, the goodness of God's kingdom, to experience his love and relationship with him. So we've been encouraging you to do that, again, in that kind of personal way, to pray for those people. But then it's not just about prayer. We have to participate with our prayers. Um, Matthew 9, uh, 37 and 38 says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And so we need to pray not only that there would uh, for people to have sensitive hearts to the Lord or the Holy Spirit, but we need to begin to pray for more workers. And then we also need to answer our prayer and be one of the workers. Okay? We can support others who are in, uh, in missions and doing that kind of thing. Again, this is written in uh, 3 John uh, chapter 1, verses 5 to 8. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name, that's the name of God, that's Jesus, that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. So we can play a part in supporting others who are out there and doing this kind of work, simply through hospitality. Okay? Um, He's going to prompt us, and we need to be sensitive to his voice. Isaiah says this in chapter 6, verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, And I said, Here am I. Send me. If the Lord is prompting you to go to a certain people or to reach out to someone, we need to be sensitive to his voice and respond. Say, Here I am. Send me. Another thing I think very uniquely about Isaiah is God asks him to do something, but also tells him it's going to be a failure. He says, go to a people who won't listen, and then tell them. (laughs) He already knew that these people were very resistant, and yet because Isaiah had this radical encounter with the Lord, even after he's told, hey, your mission is going to be really difficult, not too many people are going to respond to you, Uh, Isaiah, because of his encounter with the Lord, still says, hey, here am I, send me. I hope you all have an encounter with the Lord that 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 is that profound. Psalm 67, verse 1 and 2 says this, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known in the earth, your salvation among all the nations. So again, uh, we want to pray and experience God, uh, experience his face shining on us, And you let that be a demonstration in the world for all of the nations. So we need to listen to his voice as he speaks to us. uh, Experience his blessing, but also pass that blessing on. Uh, And again, there's something about just going where you can go right now. Maybe you've got a grand vision about what you'd like to do, but it seems like many steps away. There are steps right in front of you, I believe, in terms of how you can engage in mission. Uh, In Luke chapter 8, uh, 38 and 39. Again, there's this kind of story about this demon-possessed person. It's, it's a very dramatic kind of story. This person is set free, and then this occurs. The man who from the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, 
return home and tell how much God has done for you. Sometimes God gives us a job right where we are. Sometimes we'd love it to be somewhere else, wouldn't we? But he gives us a job to do right where we are. He says, return home. And so the man was obedient. He went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. Just very simply, uh, this is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. It says this in the NLT. Work at bringing others to Christ. Um, we, uh, we launched into this series, and I don't know if you've maybe picked up on it, but some of its major themes, even major categories, um, are, should be very familiar to you, though we've expressed it in a different way. They've been here on the side of our wall for a long time. Uh, long time. Now, some of you thought we did a series maybe two or three years ago with these phrases, and then we just forgot to take the banners down, maybe. Um, but this has actually become very important to us, very central to how we're approaching discipleship here at Hillcrest. So you could almost say, you know, you're called by God. You're invited to this incredible wedding banquet, this incredible feast, and we want to celebrate. We want to celebrate big. Uh, we want, again, to anticipate the wonderful wedding feast in heaven what it'll be like to be there one day. We want to experience those as a part of our Sunday morning services, to come here to worship and honor God, to celebrate what he's doing, to celebrate things like baptism and new believers and those exciting things. We want to hear from him, experience his love. I mean, remember, the other one is you're called to be loved. And so we want to have that experience. We want that to be a part of what we do. But we know that not everything can happen in this environment. That's why we also have things like connecting small. Does that kind of sound like you belong? You're called to belong, to know people, to get to know them in a better way? Um, you're, you belong among God's people, and we want you to connect small. Now, we are also called to become. That's where we encourage you to go on a walk with Jesus, right? And to become more like Jesus as you walk with him. And we've got a number of resources uh, and events that happen throughout the year that are all about helping each of you to walk with Jesus. Uh, you're called to be a blessing to other people, to use your gifts. You were meant to be a blessing to other people, both here in the church and beyond. So we want you to share the work, to be a part of what's happening here, the ministries that exist, as well as, again, you were made for mission. You were called to be sent out. We want you to engage in mission. Now, in Hillcrest, next, a vision paper that was written by our church leadership uh, a number of years ago that we're still looking to as, uh, again, key targets for us going forward. Uh, it says this about engaging in mission. We are called to take the good news to the world, letting it influence our families, workplaces, and neighborhoods. We are invited to give of our time and our money that we would invest in things that last. This includes building into kingdom initiatives at our local church, and beyond. And we had a number of things that we kind of laid out in terms of what that looks like to engage in mission. The first one is to live a lifestyle of evangelism. Now, evangelism just means good news. Gospel, good news, evangelism, it's all the same thing. So don't let that throw you. Don't think, I love the good news, I love the gospel, but evangelism, let's set that over here. It's just this exact same thing. And I was thinking about how to rephrase it, thinking about a lifestyle of evangelism would be a good news way of life, okay? And we've, we've talked about this in a number of different series. We've talked about this idea of 
blessing people, blessing them and what we say and how we respond, the posture of our heart, how we pray that we are uh, to bless. But we're also to spend time with people, to meet their felt needs, and to have the opportunity to share Jesus with them. And why we love that simple strategy is because it works on that personal, local, and global dimensions kind of described before. You can be a blessing as a person. We can be a blessing as a church. We can partner around the world to see that there is someone living a good news way of life in every nook and cranny of our world. We've got a number of different series that we have done. I'd encourage you, if you want to get more up to speed on those things, you could take a look at those on our YouTube channel or listen to our podcast on the series that we've done. Again, we've got a number of books that are kind of on this theme that we've read, Prayer Evangelism or Gospel Fluency. But there's other books that you could be reading about sharing your faith. Again, I also mentioned the idea of having a personal prayer list. This is all about living that lifestyle of evangelism. Um, Maybe prayer walking in your neighborhood. You know, praying that the spiritual climate will change, that people would have open and receptive hearts. We believe that Alpha or Life Shared are also great resources that could be available to you. But you could also serve with our local and global ministry or missions partners. Uh, Joe's Place, for example, here in our city or other um, ministries. You could stay up to date what's hap- with what's happening in the lives of our global workers. You can support them with prayer and financial support. Uh, perhaps there's ways that you can be involved in that global work. Another aspect, I think, of engaging in mission that you could uh, participate with is to practice tithing and generosity. Um, With time, you have to learn how to create margin because there's always going to be something or someone asking for your time. So you have to learn how to create margin by often saying no to okay and good things for good things that are really designed by God. Plan for interruptions. Dave said a number of weeks ago, again, lots of what happens in the Gospels in Jesus' life is on the way to something. If you took out the interruptions, you'd have half of what was there in the Gospels. Again, uh, you have to expect interruptions and be ready for them. Leave room in your budget uh, also to be a blessing to others. Okay, now he said from the beginning of this series, you are called by God. He's inviting you to a relationship with him. And now we're coming full circle and seeing how you can play a part in that invitation. We're going to return to the parable that we started with uh, in the scripture, and I want to draw out a few uh, points from it. Now, parables, again, are often meant to push us emotionally or spiritually. They're supposed to cause some kind of um, reaction or change. They're they're supposed to make us dig deeper. Uh, And Jesus, again, always would take his disciples aside and explain more of the nuances of what he said kind of publicly in a parable. We're going to go through it, and I'll try to add my comments or my understanding about what's going on here. Uh, Number one in that parable that we read, uh, the wedding feast is the biggest celebration you can imagine. In the kingdom of heaven, it's a never-ending celebration. Again, our celebration service, where we celebrate big, is about anticipating that wedding feast. Uh, Number two, the sun is a big deal to the king. So we had better pay close attention to the son. He's kind of only referenced in the beginning of this parable, then he kind of zips through, but the wedding is all about the son. 
I mean, look at the lengths that, he, that the king goes to to ensure this incredible celebration. He's organizing the celebration. He's sending out three waves of servants for the guest list. He's bringing justice to the land. He's giving up his fattened ladder, uh, cattle. It even says that he's the one that's preparing dinner. Even when the whole guest list ends up not being able to make it, he finds a way to fill the halls for the celebration. Number three, some people will reject the invitation. This is the reality of our world. I believe that God knew this even before creation. He knew that in order for some people to say yes to the invitation, there was always the possibility that some would say no. Rejection is painful to us for us to experience. But God feels it as deeply as we do, perhaps more deeply. He gives us a will, and we often hurt him with it. But he also finds great pleasure when we use our will to do the right thing, when we choose to honor him, to receive his invitation, when we choose to worship him. See, I think parents are familiar with the joys and sorrows of having children with wills of their own. It doesn't take long, and they begin to exercise them. Have you noticed that? Uh, I often think about just the simplicity of God's word. God says, let there be light, and there was light. There was no in-between part where the light said, coming. He just said it, and there it was. When I call my kids for supper, most times, you know, I'm downstairs preparing a feast for them, and I call them for supper, And I hear nothing, no shuffling, no running, you know, no clamoring to get down for the wonderful feast. I call them, and there's no response whatsoever. And sometimes, you know, you yell at them, and you're more frustrated, and then maybe there's the hint that they've heard you or something like that. Usually, they don't start moving until you're rushing towards them to let them know that they should have moved a long time ago. And so you call them, and they come. Now, parents often are saying, I love you, to their children. And children often respond by saying, I love you too. There's something very special when they don't say, I love you too, to when you say, I love you. But out of their own thought or their own will, they say, I love you. And you get to say, I love you too. That's pretty special. Now, some people reject the invitation of a lifetime for regular, normal things, like a field. Maybe that was a big deal to some people. Maybe that's a big deal to some of you here. A field generally means nothing to me. <laughs> uh, but that's, I'm sure that's not the point. But it's this field or a business. And they say, oh, I'm busy with this. I can't come to you know, on this incredible celebration. I've got stuff to do. It's just regular, normal things, but it got in the way. I kind of think that this point can be overstated. Many people miss out on the invitation because of regular, normal things. It never feels like you're missing out on the invitation of a lifetime during the moment. It seems like the business is the most important thing at the time. Now, I'm not sure what's on your list of normal things that threaten your spiritual life. It might be gardening. It might be catching up on emails, family trips, sports. But beware of ordinary things that keep you from walking with God. Number five, some people are extremely hostile to the servants who bring the invitation. 
as we kind of encourage you to be a part of that crew who goes out and does the inviting, you have to be aware of that. No, I think Jesus is highlighting Israel's history here with the prophets. And I think it's important to keep in mind that God still had a sovereign plan even in the midst of that for Israel. And he continued to draw people to himself despite of their constant rejection of him. But I think the point in hearing something like this, you know, the king going out, burning a city and the whole bit, is that um, you're not just being hostile to the servant, you're rejecting God when you're rejecting his messenger. And we should be very careful to make sure that we are not rejecting what he is trying to say or he is trying to invite us to. We should be very cautious about doing something like that. Number six, no one deserves to come. That phrase is in there. The original guest list and the strangers on the street corners are all undeserving. But the king makes a way for the celebration anyways. He's the one who provides the wedding clothes. Now, after hearing a parable like this, we should all be very mindful of, how, of what we're wearing, <laughs> how we're clothed. Are we clothed in our own good deeds or our religious efforts? Are we dressed in the righteousness of Christ? You know, this, it kind of ends dramatically with this person being thrown out because they don't have the wedding clothes. And not just kind of out of the wedding, they're thrown into a terrible place. Why? Again, I think the wedding clothes are the righteousness of God. The wedding clothes are the blood of Christ. The atonement that God makes on our behalf, though we are undeserving. Now, some people, and perhaps this is the situation with this person, some people want the invitation of God's love and the promise of eternal celebration, but they are unwilling to admit that they are undeserving. They are unwilling to admit that they are a sinner. And they are unwilling to receive the wedding clothes that are offered to them. Uh, many are invited, but few are chosen. Uh, this is complex. I'm not sure if I entirely have a handle on it, but here's what I might suggest. Those who receive the invitation, as well as the wedding clothes, are chosen. The book of Hebrews would say it this way. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Because the invitation is going out to everyone. The wedding clothes are available to everyone. Uh, and finally, a few comments about the servants. The servants of the king respond to his request to give out the invitations. Sometimes that meant facing rejection. Rejection, again, on behalf of the king. Sometimes the job meant facing persecution. Meant facing death. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 3 says this, Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. But the king seeks justice for the servants. He's not indifferent to his servants. In fact, in some way, the servants um, are backed by the full might and army of the king. And I think the servants' benefits package is actually really quite 
robust. The servants, though mistreated and killed, are still at the wedding banquet. After all, this king is lord over death. And we are not only guests and servants, but we together are the bride. And what kind of wedding could you have if there was no bride? We are the one on whom the Son has set his love. So where are you in all of this? Are you someone on the guest list that has been more concerned about a field or a business or something else? It seems normal and ordinary and fine. Do you feel like a stranger to God or that you could not be someone who is on the invite list? Would you love to receive an invitation to the wedding feast of the kingdom of heaven but are unwilling to admit that you are undeserving and a sinner needing his grace, his forgiveness? Are you a servant that's hesitant to go out and spread the invitation of the king? Is fear of rejection stopping you from inviting people to experience the kingdom of God? First, if you've never RSVP'd to God's invitation, I'd like to give you the chance to do that now. See, I believe his spirit is inviting you now to come to him. You must receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. It comes, he comes in that way. It's a package deal, both Lord and Savior. And he will wrap you in wedding clothes and welcome you in. You can experience his love, find belonging, be transformed, and find purpose in being a blessing and invite others to experience the good news of his kingdom. If you want to respond to that invitation, you can pray this prayer with me. And this is a prayer that any believer could say and mean this at any time, but maybe this will be the first time that you're praying it. Would you pray it with me, everyone? Dear Father, thank you that you love me and sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I put my trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Help me live a life that honors you by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll invite the worship team to come back now. I have just a couple of other comments to make. So that's the first one. If you've never RSVP'd to God, respond. Uh, if you did respond this morning, you can let us know. We'd love to pray with you after the service, talk with you about maybe your next steps. Second, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Now, if you're going to be a part of God's plan, if you're made for mission and you're going to get out there, you might face difficulty, persecution, rejection. You might even face death. But consider those who would celebrate your feet. Can you imagine having such an impact on someone that they celebrate your feet, bruised and battered as they might be from the journey? If it wasn't for this person sharing their faith with me, I would have never known the love of Jesus or his saving grace. 
Um, I was looking for a, a quote. I, I saw a, a video once about uh, the life of Hudson Taylor, a missionary. And there he was in, in China being a missionary. And he was talking to kind of one of his first converts. And this convert, if I, can, if I have this right, was asking him how long he had known about Jesus in the country that he came from. And he had to answer by saying, a thousand years That weighs on my heart in some sense. Can you imagine? Um, But how wonderful they would have been to experience the good news and to have that message arrive to where they were when he went. I want to encourage you, be a good news person. Live a good news life and take the good news of Jesus Christ everywhere you go. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father in heaven, what an invitation you have given to us. Though we are undeserving strangers, you invite us to be part of your everlasting kingdom. To not only be servants or guests, but to be the bride of Christ, the one whom Jesus has set his love on. To be welcomed into love and joy and celebration. Help us each to take the good news of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. In your name we pray. Amen.